Greetings, friends. It's time for me to tell you how you can support us. Go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv to find out how you can kick us a couple of bucks a month and get some neat stuff in return. And also go to duckfeed.tv slash tipjar and use our Amazon links when you're going to be doing your holiday shopping. It's that simple, and we really appreciate everybody who has done so, so far. Thanks. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is a cosmic appendix <laughs> yep and uh, not like the cosmic appendix i had removed from my side that contained multitudes contained uh, teeth and <laughs> the second teratoma thing man wow yeah. <laughs> but um teratoma uh, wants a moment <laughs> Please, please don't Google image search that. Uh, This week, we are reading your responses to the Upper Cathedral Ward um, because of a scheduling thing on our side. Uh, We couldn't have Allison on for this, but we are super appreciative of her time. Yeah, it was definitely it was just us. It was because we recorded before I went to work. Yep. Um, But uh, now we are back and we're lonely without Allison. (laughs) And she had lots of great insight. If you go to um, our Facebook page, she actually um, put up a post she did that references the, the little you know, sluglings, the puppers, um, yeah. the puppers, uh, moving towards their mother and, and stuff and kind of has some, some images to explain that and stuff. So pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we're going to get uh, started with your responses. Uh, first with a little bit of follow-up. Um, I'll get started here with Joseph. Uh, Joseph says via contact. Um, so why is that Yosefka blood in Murgo's loft? I believe fake Yosefka gave Edgar that blood in my personal headcanon. I like to believe that they were colleagues in the choir, possibly even lovers and Yosefka gave this to Edgar, knowing he was leaving on a dangerous mission to the nightmare. He hid it in a place where, if things got bad, he could run to the vial and use it as a last-ditch last attempt to save himself. Um, I, When I first read this, um, when we were getting ready for this, mm-hmm. um, I had to remind myself who Edgar was. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, it's a choir intelligencer, mm-hmm. uh, Edgar. So, I like... I think it's a stretch to call them lovers. <laughs> like uh, he's, you know, he has no dialogue or anything. He's just an NPC that you fight. Wait, wait, a we only know his Gary, name. You're, you're, not, you're not, you're not in a relationship with everybody you're working with. Um, I'm in a kind of a relationship. I, I think I might be in a hospital, hostile workplace. Gary. We, we strictly ex- exchange blood dregs. <laughs> yeah. It's not romantic. Um, the, uh, yeah, but, uh, so, but the idea of her, like them being in some kind of cahoots, you mm-hmm. know, they're both involved in the choir. So that's not that big of a stretch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the idea that, uh, you know, necessarily that they were porking down, I'm not so sure. <laughs> yep. But we're not going to take anybody's headcanon away from them. <laughs> no, no, I would not take that away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, if you need to tag me out halfway through this, you can. Mm-hmm. This is okay. A long I may do that. And also I, ed- I edited it down, but, uh, this is, uh, I think worthwhile because we had some harsh words about the lore notes last episode. Um, the previous one, rather, uh, about the Nightmare of Mensis. But, uh, Sean W., the lore hunter, writes in via contact saying, During the last episode, you had a discussion about the lore notes, specifically in the lecture building. It was interesting to hear your views about these notes, specifically because they stand almost entirely in contrast to my own feelings about them. I like lore notes. I agree that storytelling through item descriptions and environmental storytelling are hallmarks and highlights of the series, but I see the lore notes fulfilling another role. This may be a point of contention, but I think that Bloodborne feels more alive and lived in than Dark Souls, in part because of these lore notes. They are written in a way that suggests 
best character and speaks about the author in a way that I don't think the item description the item descriptions can. Um, it comes down to suspending disbelief, but the one issue with them uh, with item descriptions rather um, telling a story is that it is unclear why the character learns what they do by acquiring them. It's not a big deal and one I can typically overlook, but the lore notes act as memoirs uh, that both make sense and open up opportunities that Bloodborne takes advantage of. For example, take this note found in the study outside of the Erden Chapel. The Bergenworth spider hides all manner of rituals the, uh, and keeps our lost master from us. A terrible shame. It makes my head shudder uncontrollably. I love how it not only conveys information about the plot, but gives a human touch of emotion that characterizes the author. Uh, they're clearly upset. Uh, they're missing. Uh, uh, sorry. They're clearly upset about their missing master. Um, and to a degree that belies the level of mental instability that helps characterize uh, the people in state of Yarnum. Another note reads, the red moon hangs low and beasts rule the street. Are we left no other choice than to burn it all to cinders? And Gary, I'm going to tap you in. Sure. Um, not only are we given a pivotal piece of plot information about the connection of the pale moon, uh, pale blood moon to the hunt, but there's a sense of helplessness and despair by the author's question that helps humanize this powder cake hunter and their uneasiness with the tragic act they're helping to commit. Looking at the lecture building, I also noticed that, uh, the high number of lore notes in the area. While some of it was exposition to hint at the ending of the game, I also saw it as displaying not only how close Bergenworth was uh, getting to a revelation or how they had in fact made one, but for me, also it told the story of how Bergenworth's means and methods shifted as they sought transcendence. It made me ponder whether or not Bergenworth had ever understood what they had discovered or if they had individually found parts of the truth or if this was uh, the very knowledge that landed the lecture building in the nightmare. And finally, I will admit that I like them simply because they make uh, make me feel like a Lovecraftian protagonist sifting through the journals of those who have discovered the Elder Truth, and I really like that. I can certainly understand the arguments made against them, but for the above reasons, I really enjoy them and think that they are uh, an addition to the item descriptions and environmental storytelling, not a substitution. Uh, they help flush out the characters and groups in this world and provide perspective beyond the main movers and shakers of Yarnum. Um, so as regards the item descriptions, uh, this may just be my knowledge of the earlier games in the series, but they're just post-it notes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, just cool. on, the, on the back of every item, there's just a post-it note. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, that you just read and that's, that's what happens. Yeah. The, um, yeah. So like that, that's well said and well argued, but it's mm -hmm. one of those things where like, um, yeah, there's gotta be a word for that. This is the second time in a, a short amount of time, this idea has come up in my mind where like somebody makes a point about something and it's like, it's fine, but it's like, no, that, that all makes sense. But I still just don't agree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, uh, that, that does make sense. Um, I think that, um, when you say that they're not instead of item descriptions and environmental storytelling, mm -hmm. they kind of are in bloodborne mm -hmm. or at the very least, if they're not, if it's not a, it's a correlation, if not a causation, like mm -hmm. there are more lore notes and less of the other. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't necessarily mean it was an active substitution, but on the balance, there's more of one than the other, or at least, you know, there's a significant number of one and less of the other, mm -hmm. um, in bloodborne. And then the idea that like it's giving you an idea of the character or you're having this apocalypse log feeling, I could dig that too, but they're too short for that. Yeah. Like they're too short and they're unauthored. So and like, you know, they, they usually come from like 
you kind of have to guess who's saying them. And I'm not necessarily saying that would fix that much, mm -hmm. but it would maybe fix something if, if we knew who the people were yeah. who did them. There are a lot of ways in which Bloodborne is more explicitly a horror game than Dark Souls or Demon Souls mm -hmm. or, you know, other games in the series are. And they're all pretty scary, but like this has a, a pretty big survival horror element to it, kind of specifically because of these things. I think that maybe it would have gone a long way for them to, instead of making them dialogue bubbles, actually like take that into a document. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like to actually make it like a Resident Evil apocalypse log kind of thing where it comes across as like this epi uh, this epistolary construction. Totally. Almost. Like they could have just been letters to each other. Yeah. That's undoubtedly how people, like a, you know, communicated in this world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like pick it up or it's like a fragment of a note. The rest of it is, you know, illegible, but I can discern this. Like, and I understand like there's any number of like engine reasons why they couldn't, you know, dump you out to this text display or make it look like a letter, you know, stuff like that. But like, if that's the effect that they were going for, that this is this apocalypse log and, you know, kind of like understanding and inferring the rest of this, I think that if they're going to be more explicit in this way, they could have benefited from just like being even more explicit. I like lean into it a little yeah. bit. Like it feels like a half measure. And uh -huh. I think that's part of what we were talking about in the last episode. Like, yeah, they, they don't feel satisfying at doing what I think. Like, I think that they are trying to do the things that Sean thinks they're they're doing. Uh huh. Like, I just don't think they're successful at it. Yeah. Like, I think that he's right as far as the aim. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, like, some authorship and a little bit more detail in them would make a big difference. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, and you know, the, you get that touches on everything about Bloodborne, where it's like, I don't feel like Bloodborne necessarily needed as much mm -hmm. text to explain a story because the story feels more straightforward to me, or at mm -hmm. least with fewer tributaries. Like, there are still mysteries, but, like, yeah. there's less kind of side path stuff in uh, in the Bloodborne story. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it just, it doesn't... Uh, and it's also not unique then, right? Like if we're just saying like, oh, this would be better if it was more like Resident Evil, I can think <laughs> of at least one series that does the Resident Evil <laughs> notes pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know, it starts with R and it rhymes with Resident Evil. Oh, I thought you were talking about Silent Hill. Oh, no, that too. But I'm just saying like it's, that's been done forever. Yep. Whereas this kind of item description, you know, personal archaeology, environmental storytelling thing is to me really elemental and one of the unique, you know, <laughs> points of, of souls right i could i could totally needle you with the thing that would set you off on a rant oh what are you saying it could have used the miyazaki touch oh yeah <laughs> the, um yeah could have used that miyazaki touch yeah. or like yeah it, it is uh, miyazaki's back baby um <laughs> yeah it, it could have uh, uh that to me is one of the cool things that souls does mm -hmm. having just these apocalypse logs thing is just a thing that video games do all the time yeah you know, and I think it's fine, but it's not unique mm -hmm. and special. Yeah. I mean, just like own it and do it if that's the mode of storytelling you want to you want to use. But don't try and make the uh, the, the the sugar go down better yeah. by, by by trying to hide it <laughs> just barely. Yeah. Like sometimes you know? they're, you know, cool, like evocative phrases, but they mm -hmm. very rarely like the two examples you point out are really oh, they're good great. Stories. Like my, my shit, my head shuddered uncontrollably. Like, yeah. boom, that shot from Jacob's ladder. Like, I get yeah. it. I totally understand. It's 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 a they're they're really some of them are very evocative. The ones you mentioned are very significant and feel really lore significant i don't feel that way about all of them either mm -hmm. i don't think every single one of the lore notes has as much weight as the examples that you give mm. and there are a lot of them and a lot of them just feel like fluff them to me yeah um you know and they're they're ones that like repeat themselves like say the same thing and like their placement doesn't always feel significant um not sometimes it does yep. but sometimes it doesn't there's just an air of like half bakeness to them yeah. to me so like even if i agree that i like the things they were going for and that they were going for the same thing it feels like a failed feature to me or like a half implemented one mm -hmm. um 
you know, with and again, well-reasoned argument. And I, I yeah. agree with the, the things and stuff. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like, you know, Sean's smart. Like, it's not like, you know, <laughs> it's a wrong opinion. It just didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So moving on to responses. Uh, I'll go ahead and start us off. All right. yeah. uh, Dalton says, by contact. The Upper Cathedral Ward is probably the closest Bloodborne gets to a true horror game experience. Bloodborne definitely has some horrifically dark themes and set pieces, but overall, I wouldn't put the game in the same category as an Amnesia or a Silent Hill, at very least gameplay-wise. The entire area is shrouded in darkness, and creeping around every dark hallway is tense and frightening. This is one area where Bloodborne got a genuine jump scare out of me when a brain sucker grabbed me from behind, Mm -hmm. and that crashing chandelier set piece was spooked up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I like that phrase. Um, Abritus gave me the hardest time of any Bloodborne boss and almost feels cheap at times, but it's fantastically uh, dis- or it's a fantastically disgusting design. Overall, the area is great and continues the trend of optional areas being the most unique and rewarding content in the game. And yeah. I would argue in like most Souls games. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, if <laughs> so, so what's the... what? what? I was about to say something really dumb in that the, uh, the, the expansion content is technically optional. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like in dark souls one i'm trying to think of the optional content there like i'm a big fan of ash lake but dot 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 mm-hmm. is it is it just that bloodborne really does it really well um yeah i don't know kanehurst hemwick all that yeah yeah, yeah. kanehurst uh kanehurst well no kanehurst hemwick uh painted world oh okay yeah there um, we go painted world yeah. yep uh, dark souls 2 doesn't really have an awful lot optional in it no, I mean it's it's all kind of optional, you know, in in some ways because you can you can brute past your way past Soldor, but like, yeah, um, Soldor, <laughs> yep, the barbarian <laughs> king, <laughs> yeah. um, gifted in ways of combat and mysticism. Soldor, yeah, I, would, I would say that like this is the second most horror themed area after uh, the prison, like the hy- hypo hypogean hypogean jail Jail. yeah yeah because like the the where you get there and waking up there and stuff that felt like a horror game to me yeah um like as strongly as this if not more Mm -hmm. so but this is definitely a super horror game um i saw went and saw crimson peak okay crimson peak is like they go to castle canehurst more or less (laughs) this is uh guillermo del toro's yeah 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 and it's 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 super flawed it's not you know it's not a great movie or anything Mm -hmm. it is no babadook it's no it's not a babadook babadook is great um, this is not scary and not really meant to be. It's really predictable, and there are all these mm-hmm. problems with it. But uh, I still think it's worth watching. I still think you should watch it because mm-hmm. uh, it is absurdly beautiful mm-hmm. in a way that explicitly kind of reminded me of like a Souls like area. Like they built oh. this mansion for the for the movie on rock and, it and feels roll. Feels yeah. like a, a Souls mansion. Like yeah. it feels like it's it's like one degree of Souls connection away from being coverable for the show. <laughs> like because it looks so much to me like a a, a Souls set piece. Mm-hmm um so that that's just a, a side note wait so it's beautiful and entrancing but flawed so it's a guillermo del toro movie yes okay yeah, cool yeah. it's visually beautiful and and not actually that well plotted yeah if we end up doing um uh the labyrinth we should also do pan's labyrinth oh yeah yeah <laughs> like let's just, just pair doing, it with it yeah we'll just start doing things <laughs> yep just other things we want to talk about yep oh, oh man yeah <laughs> but yeah this is a theme that continues through these letters actually is calling this explicitly a horror-based thing which is weird because um, we didn't talk about that much in the in the actual episode. Uh, we talked about the set pieces and stuff, and we talked about the Resident Evil comparisons. It's there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Steven writes in via the contact forum saying, Here we are at last at what is unequivocally my favorite area in the game. This may be in part due to the fact that I didn't even know it existed for my first couple of playthroughs of the game. This is also because of Abriatus. 
I undoubtedly put hours upon hours into fighting her, and every time I was only two or three hits away from victory. However, I was never frustrated or angry when I died, because I knew her patterns and I just was not acting quick enough. He reminded me of when Gary talked about fighting Artorias, way back in Season 1. And when I finally bested her on New Game Plus for some odd reason, uh, I snagged the Platinum less than a week later. This is by far my favorite boss in the series. Um, mm. Also, bonus points for having the second bo- the second best boss fight music in the game. And you can't say second best without saying what the first best is. Yeah, when he, he didn't. So you can you can tell that in the past, but yep. you're talking to a letter, Cole. I can yep. give you no new information. I will need Yeah. That that's that's uh, like I, I get what you mean. Like that's a for me that's a real stretch. Like this is not mm. one of my favorite bosses, but like You're talking I, to I, you're talking to two people who really like Artorias but don't like Abrevius that much. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, but they're there I could see if you got the same kind of like pattern oh, yeah. thing. It's also, and this is, I've said this a little bit before, hinted at it, and this may be a controversial student statement. Um, almost all of the music in Bloodborne bounces off of me. A little bit, yeah. There's... Like I, I, like it feels to me like the games are getting less memorable musically. Mm-hmm. Like Demon Souls was great, Dark Souls was good, Dark Souls Two was worse musically. Bloodborne yeah. is, it's not worse, but I don't remember it's it like, very much. Like, like less distinctive. Like Demon Souls had the false idol track, and, uh, um... and a lot of like, and and uh, you know a lot of. Uh, mm-hmm really distinctive tracks like the um adjudicator oh theme yeah with like yeah. the big sickening horns like kind of old. <laughs> <laughs> well like even um, even dark souls had uh like ornstein and smo um that was yeah. a fantastic track and also the uh oh my gosh moonlight what am i thinking of here yeah the moonlight butterfly so, i was thinking gwendolyn but it's the same track yeah yeah, yeah like like that get you know and the pinwheel music is really cool too even though nobody ever hears it because you kill them too quickly <laughs> um but that music's really good and then i just you know dark souls 2 felt like someone doing a shitty impersonation of the dark souls one music a little bit yeah for the most part um, with a couple of exceptions, like, there's a couple songs I like, but then Bloodborne is just like, and music just doesn't do it for me. Like, and, and, like um, we've spent like a good, like a good amount of time listening to this music too, like trying to edit, edit it, it yeah. in. Like it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's not like it's, it's not through lack of exposure. Yeah. Um, like the main theme I like a lot. I have like the Bloodborne PS2 or PS4 theme. So yep. whenever I pull up, you know, turn on my PS4, I listen to Bloodborne music yep. and that song is really good. Oh yeah. But no, for the most part, it doesn't do it for me. It's the weirdest. Like, so I, I, I'm a really big fan of ambient sound. Like I've got mm-hmm. uh, like speakers and stuff set up and I will just play white noise or like Brian, you know, music or like ambient video game music and play but um whenever i'm updating my ps4 my my apartment is just full of is a very very sad string instruments mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and i love it it's great yeah, yeah that, that's a that's a real good song yeah 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 um yeah so dan says via contact uh, this is easily the most unsettled i've felt in the entire game mostly due to the really unnerving backing track for the whole area the great one babies or whatever they are supposed to be First clued me into the horror of this area, especially the ones all staring at the main cathedral. Inside the main dark building of this area kept me on edge, though. I saw through uh, through the wolf jumping through the window trap. It smelt of an ambush. <laughs> but the three that bring down the chandelier and come after you in the dark really got my blood pumping. Really, really effective use of dark creatures in this dark area. I initially read too much into the make contact body and thought it was a, uh, that the clue was standing in the middle of the circle pattern on the floor and using the gesture. I tried this for about a half hour. <laughs> but yeah, otherwise, probably not too much to add uh, that you guys won't cover other than fuck a Britus, back to the cosmos from which she came. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's finally going home. She's just like E.T. Aww. Little pupper. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so again, talking about the make the make contact mystery. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, those uh, the, those just fucking children. Like I, yeah. so here's how weird it is. I didn't remember the kids actually, like for my first playthrough. So when I came back through it, I was wondering if it was an insight um, variable mm. rather than yeah. just a construct of the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't I, yeah i don't i don't i feel like i've gone through this with low insight because i will spend all my insight to deal with uh the winter lanterns well yeah and i usually come here late so mm-hmm. i feel like i've gone through here with both regular and low insight yeah but no let's see here uh janos via contact i'm sorry if that's not how you pronounce your name um on my first rambling playthrough through what my fiance insists on calling blood souls i stumbled into the upper cathedral ward convinced that it was on the critical path It just felt appropriate, pushing ever higher into the healing church hierarchy. Surely this was the way that I was supposed to go in finding the source of all the corruption. So I made my way past the many, many werewolves and was repeatedly murdered by brain suckers that I seemingly found much harder uh, to deal with than any that I had encountered up to this point. I lost insight by the bucket load on my initial playthrough uh, (laughs) when I was still hoarding it as a precious resource in case I wanted to summon. Through the garden of the wobbly aliens and past the window that surely wouldn't be a dead end, I found a Briatus, daughter of frustration and killer of hope. No tactic I tried seemed to work. I couldn't seem to dodge her charges, and on the rare occasions I could get a bit further into the fight, laser death from above would surely put an end to my fleeting hope. I settled down, resigned to, <laughs> resigned to some false starts and more frustration. Many days later, I killed her on my second try for that session. Hallelujah! I spent the rest of that day ringing bells to help other hunters. I couldn't kill this fiend enough times. After all, after all, she had been keeping me from progressing through the game, locking away the remaining content. Except, of course, she wasn't. Bloodborne, you got me. Yeah. It's a weird uh, putting putting a really hard boss before an option or, you know, at the end, at of, the an end of an optional area. That's that's kind of a bloodboard thing. It is. Um, yeah, they love doing that. <laughs> there's, there's so much optional content in this game. And like, I, I kind of almost wonder if this area is a honey trap now that he phrases it that way. Like, oh, if sure. you thought that the healing church was still what was wrong in this t- yeah. in this world, like, here's this so you can pursue this line of questioning. But it's uh, it's kind of fruitless. I can't imagine the, I mean, and this is not a judgment thing. I can't imagine the mindset that thinks this is on the critical path, given how uh-huh. well it's hidden, mm-hmm. um, the getting the key to it. Yeah. Um, and then how hidden the actual door is as well. Yeah. Um, not hidden, but like you haven't been here in forever. Yeah. It's like, so for, it's for, like forgettable, really. So like this feels like a side path to me um, in, in a thing. But it does speak to my like larger, like one of my Bloodborne bummer things. If I ever write that essay where it's like <laughs> player reward as kind of a problem because all this gives you again, it's like being in the chalice dungeon outside of the chalice dungeons. Yeah. Like the only reward for beating a Breedus is more chalice. <laughs> like finally give me chalice. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Christian says by contact, I was so excited to discover the existence of this character for myself, absent of any guide or online wiki to tell me where to look. I came across the entire upper cathedral ward by accident, remembering that I had another key that I hadn't used just after discovering the old abandoned workshop late in the game. I recall the door that I couldn't open earlier, and voila, I discovered one of my favorite hidden areas in the game, at least thematically. The sense of mystery and awe only intensified as I discovered the hidden pathway to Abritus's elevator, but my excitement was quickly drained after the 30th or so attempt at fighting Abritus, only to be crushed again and again by her. I know people have found a way to cheese this boss, but I'm determined to beat her in a fair fight. I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, as of this writing, this still has not happened. 
I don't know if I'm sending uh, this piece of feedback too late, but regardless, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this boss fight and what you think the lore connection is between Abritus's Altar of Despair and the re resurrection of Queen Annalise and her quivering mass of flesh. Is it simply a gameplay quirk, or is there a reason why the altar has the power of resurrection? Uh, undecided. <laughs> yeah, we kind of <laughs> talked about it, but I don't think we figured it out. Yeah, no. Um, and there's just not enough ev evidence there. Like, it makes sense if you're willing to take some leaps. Like, we're mm -hmm. not uh, afraid to do. But, um, yeah, if you're looking for something concrete, uh, there's no evidence to it yet. Yeah. Like, that is something that, in two weeks' time, we may end up, you know, just kind of eating our words on. But Exactly. Yeah. I hope that answers some questions. We'll see if it... Me too. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, and, and that's something that kind of popped up. This this episode um, kind of had a little bit of parallelism with uh, Bergenworth. Because mm -hmm. it's kind of a similar amount of geography. Like, Bergenworth is a little bit smaller. But uh, these are both play light and theme-heavy areas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I mean, this, this has a little bit more play in it than Bergenworth does, I think. Yep. Like, because it's, it's more it's more intense. Fewer yeah, encounters. There, there, more there's intense. more encounter design. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Agreed. Mm -hmm. um, Sean W. writes in via contact saying, guys, I went to the craziest party last night. It was I was supposed to, uh, you know, party in the village, but when I got there, the place was totally dead. I was heading to the loft when I came across this really chill guy who was like, bro, you looking to party? And I was like, yeah, bro, I'm hiding. I'm heading to the loft. He said, no way, bro. My buddy Edgar told me this place is jacked up. You want to get to the party and up award party with the choir, you know, he seemed chill. Oh. Please yep. don't do the entire reading like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, take it down just a notch, please. <laughs> like, it's a little late in the recording day to do that for the, the next five paragraphs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, sorry. <laughs> he seemed chill. So I took his advice and I bounced to the upper ward. Guys, it is so legit. When I got there, the place was absolutely raging. In the main room, a bunch of party animals were swinging on the chandelier. Man, I don't even know how many the, how many of those guys they had but they were absolute beasts uh <laughs> they wanted me to party with them so i threw a few back uh they start breaking shit though uh so i decide mm, it's best to let them get out of there before things you know get out of hand so i go and scoping out the place a bit more i found some dudes high high out of their minds uh, they tried to pick my brain about politics and philosophy, so I didn't hang with them for very long. Total buzzkills. After that, I head out to this balcony, and there's this dude who's just totally out of it. Just standing there, staring at the sky with his arms in an L shape. Mm, he's just standing there, so I copy him, and we take a picture together. It was hilarious. Then I hear this chanting out back, so I go and take a look, and holy shit, there are a bunch of people tripping balls! They're all like... The sky and the cosmos are one or some shit like that. Fucking bonkers. I'm pretty hammered at this point, so I see this broken window, and I totally climb through it without thinking twice. I can hear some music, so I go looking through, looking for the source. Like, holy fuck, guys. You're not even going to believe this. I find this one lady passed the fuck out with this other lady just hanging out and chilling. I go over to her, and I'm like, Hey, is everything cool? And she's like, fucking no. And she starts flipping out. I don't even know what's happening at this point. And she starts flailing around and trying to hit me. I mean, she's so effed up on something that she tries to headbutt me multiple times even. I try to get her to calm down, but it is not that easy. She's throwing up and shucking shit at me. Finally, after what seems like forever, I get her to calm down and sit her down. 
She's holding a cup, so I take that shit and cut her off. At this point, it is practically dawn, so I head back to B-Worth and crash. I tell you guys, I will not forget that night, though. That shit was legendary. And to think, I almost went to Vinheim for college. It's a pretty good stinger at the end there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, don't get cocky. Don't always write stuff like that in, but this was pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Good, that is a good, good that's a good ending. Even though I would totally go to Venheim for college because of sound sorcerers. <laughs> yep. Like you, you forgot that the, the Venheim is where they train sound assassins. Um, <laughs> and in my like maybe my all-time favorite, like least explored mm-hmm. lorelet. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like a, a evocative phrase in the series, like Venheim where the sound sorcerers are. Like mm-hmm. that's pretty good. No, and the fact um, that uh, that Dark Souls 2 dealt so much with dragons, I thought they were going to uh deal more with Venheim. Yeah, but, me too. Nope, and the, and just... that, was, that was the big theory early on. I was like, oh, it's Venheim. Mm-hmm. Not the case. Um, well, finally, Talon says via contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just this is fun. Just fun. Yeah, yeah, this is just fun. And things are great. Um, <laughs> if one spends a bit of time enjoying the Vista's cathedral ward at dusk, one should notice the bellowing chimneys in the upper cathedral ward, assuming the sun sets west, look northwest. These chimneys, uh, those chimneys are also part of the front visage of the building by the time you reach it proper. As well as my memory serves me, those are the only working chimneys in Yarnum, and there's a complete lack of fireplaces within the building. This leads me to a question. Is there something underneath the upper cathedral ward? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know if they're refining stuff like the Hammerites and Thief, but like, yeah, we, we see them. Like, we see what's beneath the upper cathedral ward. Both Vicar yeah. Amelia and then also Abretus. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. though there are no fireplaces there. Like, there's nothing that, like, seems to suggest chimneys yeah i mean there. i just so this is a little bit of like dreamy weemness dreamy weeminess or themey theminess but yeah. um the fact that this is uh victorian and steampunk kind of mm-hmm. in that degree like this is you know kind of like on the front edge of the industrial revolution or whatever like we're gonna put some smokestacks on the horizon it's fine yeah that's that, that was my thought too is it's a, a aesthetic choice rather than a, a world building one really yeah Yep. Yeah. So that's uh, that's my guess. I don't know that it leads to anything. Again, in two weeks' time, this may kind of take some wind out of our sails. But yeah, I'm gonna guess not. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So yeah, thanks everybody uh-huh. uh, for your thoughts. Thanks again to Allison for joining us on the main episode. Yeah. Um, um, if you have things to say about, um, uh, so we're not doing a bonus episode on Extra of the Wolf or mm-hmm. Extra of the Wolf. God, I'm tired. <laughs> um, Brother of the Wolf. If, uh, but if you have things to say about, um chalices yeah chalices yeah uh-huh. um hit us up and we don't know exactly when that episode is going to come out <laughs> nope. um, it's possible we might put that off a little bit longer because we don't want to do them nope <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it is a real question of us doing our jobs against uh, <laughs> you know, against our our feelings and stuff because quite honestly like if i could put down bloodborne now and be done with it i would uh-huh. um but well, i'm i'm powering i mean not the dlc obviously but oh yeah powering through the main game mm-hmm get through the rest of those chalices yeah. is not my favorite thing I'm doing right now. <laughs> nope. And really the chalices just highlight one particular thing, which is we started this show because of our enthusiasm for the series, for our enthusiasm specifically for Dark Souls 1, but that is extended to everything else. I've not balked at playing any of the game for the show except for this, which reminds That's me... That's 100% we're, true. We're, like, we're, do, we're doing this because it is fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. This, is. this is the first time I've ever not been up for playing a Souls <laughs> Like I'm, I'm like this is Souls content I haven't seen before that I don't want to do. Yep. Like that is so damning. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> yeah, it, we'll see. This is coming out uh, after 
Um, it, it might be coming out after the live episode from OGDE. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, not this episode necessarily. Oh, yeah. Won't be. No. But no. the um, this episode is coming out after we've done the um, me and Jeremy Greer have had the chalice to beat <laughs> stream. So we'll yeah. see if I've changed my mind. Yeah. Um, see if he can convince me. Uh, mm-hmm. My guess is no. But at the very least, like, it will be fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is just, uh, boy, I've never not wanted to play Souls. And now it's just like, you want, it's like a monkey's paw. Like, it's like, oh, you wanted, you <laughs> wanted the souls unlimited souls, did you? Yeah, yes. yeah. Do you want all the levels you could possibly handle? <laughs> Here you are. Oh, God damn it. Don't yeah. worry, you get more chalice dungeons and sometimes a weapon with an adjective attached to it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I can't, I like literally couldn't care less. Like yeah. it is so, yeah. Um, but looking forward to the DLC. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like that'll be great. So, like, people who are listening at this point, they know how much uh, Bloodborne is left. Uh, if you have any thoughts about the Bloodborne that is left, just go to yeah. duckfeed.tv slash contact. Yeah, and we are um, we uh, we make this disclaimer every season, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't necessarily want uh, just glowing praise for the game itself in general. Mm-hmm. This is the place, though, for your thoughts on the endings and stuff. Yes. So we're, when we say Bloodborne, what Bloodborne is left, we mean literally the end game. Yeah. So, um, but we don't want it like, just like a review of the game is not really what we're looking for. Like we, we likely, you know, if you've written in and praised the game, we've already read it probably. Yep. Um, so we are looking for your thoughts on the ending mm-hmm. and, uh, we don't know when that episode will come out, but it, it's either, you know, five weeks or, or <laughs> six or weeks. Or whatever. Yeah. 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 So not, not too long. So, yeah. 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 Um, so I don't know how much there is left to say for this episode. I know we had a little bit of this in the most recent main episode, uh, but uh, I want to reiterate everybody who came out to uh, to hang out with us at the Ohio Game Developers Expo. That was just great um, yeah. to do a show in as uh, non-populous of an area as Central Ohio and to have as big of a showing as we did. Um, it speaks a to both the organizational efforts of Chris who is the uh, the listener um, and also the guy who organized that show, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, putting this awesome thing together that has made a very convincing case for us to like follow this. Um, but also everybody yeah. who drove ridiculously long distances as you have to do around here um, to uh, to say hi and to hang out and have some great conversations with. Totally. Like if uh, if we're invited back next year, mm-hmm. like if you if you didn't get a chance to go to it this year and you might think you might next year, like this would be a reasonable place for us to go in the Midwest. Yeah. You know, like we're, we're looking for, you know, trying to be regional mm-hmm. with our live appearances. Um, and, uh, this was really fun. Yeah. So this, this was, this was well, well worth our time and hopefully well worth it for people who came out. Hope they liked the talk. Um, you'll get a chance to listen to that one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll, you'll hear it. And, uh, hopefully it is, uh, something that, you know, you want to hear and was worthwhile for everyone involved, not just yep. us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm going to uh, to go because we've been recording for a little while, mm-hmm. and I don't want to anymore. But <laughs> I, I I love you guys. I actually am gonna when you talk about it. I'm probably gonna go log into some chalice stuff because Jeremy let me know of a, an interesting little quirk oh. that uh, chalices have that may end up putting a wrench in our our thing. Is that if you don't play in them for a little while, they can be deleted off the server and you can't do co-op then. Oh, so I don't know the fuck. I don't know the details enough to to really know about it. I have to research it. But he's like, yeah, make sure you've checked in on all the chalices you've done because that happens. And as well, that kind of totally makes sense. If like it looks like this is a huge optional piece of content, there are players who probably just never touch them. Even the main they want to save. Yeah, they want to save the you know their server space for people who are actually utilizing them. Yeah. But boy, if I can't have anybody join me in any chalices, till the end, that's going to be tough. Oh my uh-huh. god, that is. 
Yeah. That's terrible. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Um, Or hopefully it's very generous. Yeah. With with that. I'm not, uh, uh, you know, calling Jeremy Greer a liar. Um, (laughs) You know, you guys have had some beef in the past. Like, I'd believe it. We've more or less uh, patched up our beef. Yeah. Squash that beef. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, everybody, go check on your chalices. Make sure they're tucked in tight. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so good night, everybody. Good night. And remember, until next time, sometimes failure is the mother of invention. Umbasa. Umbasa. And we all pray that we will have far more soon. Oh, everything's fine. Cool. Getting a little bit of a cold. Uh, hey, welcome. Tis the season. <laughs> I'm actually, great. I'm really lucky that I didn't, A, get sick off of you, Gary, when you were here, mm-hmm. and B, didn't catch anything from the con. I don't know, I don't know what kind of blessed existence <clears throat> I'm leading that that was the case, but. Probably a hashtag one. Mm, yeah, a hashtag one. Probably blessed. the kind, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, um, you just haven't uh, touched the thing in your apartment that I spent the most time infecting. <laughs> <laughs> so you just oh, you wait i already washed those sheets you slept on <laughs> well you'd think that would be it but i'm not, not a fucking amateur cool. <laughs> spread my disease in various various and sundry forms <laughs> my disease <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a slip out song yeah what walks like a man <laughs>